And if you're turning in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, hope everyone's having a great Sunday. Hope everyone had a great week. Um, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. I invite you to pray with me. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Our Heavenly Father, we continue to pray for Israel. It is a nation where life has been turned upside down in just a few days. We pray for the families of those who have been lost. We pray for those who are recovering from injuries. We pray for those who are in harm's way and for those who are held hostage. And for them, Lord, we pray for their safety and release. Lord, it's a part of the world that has seen so much conflict. It's a part of the world where it can be so easy to be cynical and think that hope is lost. But Lord, in the face of war, we pray for a mighty work that can only come from you. Lord, we also want to pray for our neighbors here in the local community, many of whom have friends and family in Israel who are impacted by this war in personal ways. Lord, for them, may we be sources of love and light in a dark time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Lots going on, lots to do. I've seen this meme on Facebook before. It says that adulthood is just saying, but after this week, things will slow down over and over again until you die. Yeah. Summer gets busy, travel, vacations, fall gets busy, school starts up, lots of things at the church start up, gets busy. Christmas is rapidly approaching. Busy. It can be stressful. Sometimes it can feel like it's nonstop. Now, imagine for a moment if Jesus was coming to your house. That's what we see in our passage this morning. And we also see a stressed-out host. It's an interesting passage. It's a challenging passage. It's a passage that I think is meant to make us question why we do what we do, where our heart is, and what our priorities are. Very briefly, a little bit of background. There are three people mentioned in this story, Jesus, Martha, and Mary. Martha and Mary are sisters. And in the Gospels, we see Jesus interacting with these women on more than one occasion. 
perhaps most famously in John chapter 11, where we see them as mourners at a funeral when their brother Lazarus dies. They seek out Jesus, and Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. In John 12, Jesus again has a meal with his family, which we'll talk about later in our time this morning. That same event is referenced in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark. Today's story, though, is found only in the Gospel of Luke. And so Jesus dined with his family on more than one occasion. Jesus had a relationship with his family. And as we've seen, they invite Jesus over to Martha's house, and that's where we'll pick up our passage. Our main idea from the passage this morning to take away is that Jesus is the one necessary thing which will not be taken away. And with that, we'll jump into our passage, beginning at the beginning in verse 38, where it says, Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Every culture has different expectations of hospitality. When someone comes into your home, you want to take care of your guest. You want to make your guests feel welcome. Maybe you offer them something to eat or something to drink. And Martha is also trying to be a good host for Jesus. Verse 39, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. In that culture, sitting at the feet of your teacher showed discipleship. It's taking a position of humility. It's lowering yourself before your teacher. It's also putting yourself in close physical proximity so that you can hear the teacher and devote your full attention to them. Mary has Jesus in her midst, and so she's not going to waste the opportunity. She is there to hear the words of Christ. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Martha was distracted. Now, for a moment, think about it from Martha's perspective. She's just trying to be a good host. She has Jesus at her house. Wouldn't you want to be a good host too? Wouldn't you want to impress him too? Wouldn't you want him to think well of you too? You'd make the best meal you knew how to cook. You'd get the carpets shampooed. You'd have your Bible out prominently on the table so he'd see it there. It's not that Martha doesn't also want to be with Jesus, but she feels like she has to serve him first. And Martha's thinking, if my sister Mary wasn't so lazy, I'd actually have some time to visit with him. But no, Mary is just sitting around. For anyone who has siblings, clearly Mary's the younger one, not a care in the world, just sitting with Jesus, hearing pots and pans clanging together from the kitchen, Martha slamming cabinets so that they know she's working hard. She's muttering things under her breath. And Mary isn't doing anything to be helpful. And so Martha decides to go up the chain of command. Maybe she knows that Mary won't listen to her if she asks for help, and so she asks Jesus. She says to Jesus to ask Mary to help her. She says, Lord, do you not care? Probably not the best icebreaker to use on Jesus. She looks at Jesus teaching, and Mary sitting and receiving the teaching from Jesus, and Martha rebukes Jesus. Do you not care? Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Tell her to stop being so lazy. 
I don't know if Martha was expecting Jesus to take her side and tell Mary to help out. It's hard not to feel some sympathy for Martha. A lot of us are Martha's. As I said, Martha just wants to be a good host, but she's not being a good host. She's not enjoying herself. She's kind of causing a scene, verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Jesus responds with gentleness. He says, Martha, Martha. He's using endearing language. You are anxious and troubled about many things. Martha is stressed with trying to serve Jesus well. But Mary has chosen the one necessary thing. She's chosen Jesus and his word, the better portion which will not be taken away. So many of the things that we make a big deal of aren't things that we'll care about in the long term. So many of us get stressed out, myself included. I'm preaching to myself. So many of us get stressed out about things that are comparatively minor. So many of us make mountains out of molehills, get bent out of shape and stressed out about things that we won't even care about a week from now. But there's Jesus. He's inviting them into relationship, the most precious thing, the most glorious truth, something which will not be taken away from you. And that's where Mary was, and that's where we can be. Now, for some, it might be easy to think, but that's different. Mary was physically with Jesus. We aren't. Jesus still invites us into relationship. Are you getting to know him? 1 John 5.20 says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, and his Son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 says, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He doesn't say knowing about him, but knowing him. Jesus invites us to know him as well. True life and meaning comes from Jesus. God promises he will never leave us nor forsake us. Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. God promises to complete the work that He has begun in us through Christ, Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And on and on. And these aren't just a few examples. What do they mean to you? Are these precious treasures to you? Do they shape your view of God? Do they inform your theology about a personal God and a personal Savior? Or today... Do those things not really mean a whole lot to you, if you're being honest? Maybe you look at some of those promises and think, well, yeah, they'll matter someday. But as for today, you're stressed out about what's going on in your life. It's tough sometimes. I'm not trying to make people feel bad. But if God's goodness and God's Word isn't stirring your love for God, I ask, are you focusing on the one necessary thing? Mary has chosen Jesus and is sitting at his feet. She's, she's chosen to hear the word of God. God's word is just as true for you as it is for Mary. Listening to Jesus, being with Jesus, the one necessary thing that will not be taken away. Jesus tells Martha she's worried about many things. He doesn't say that those things don't matter. He doesn't say that those things are ridiculous or insignificant. 
but rather that Mary has chosen the one thing that is truly necessary. She's chosen the most important thing. The point isn't that Martha has chosen so poorly, but that Mary has chosen that which is better. Because we so often get sidetracked in the kitchen or in the office or in the church. Serving Jesus needs to be from the overflow of knowing Jesus. It needs to be from the overflow of our love for Jesus. And knowing Jesus is where it all begins. At the feet of our teacher is where it begins every day. And you'll never be as effective at serving the Lord if you're not first following the Lord. In Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the castle of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. We need to know the Word of God, because in it we find the wisdom of God. We find how to live. Again, Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus as a disciple of Jesus in a position to hear the words of Jesus. Of course, we need to serve. Of course, it's good to work and to tend to others. But you have to take care of yourself, too. You have to take care of your spiritual needs, too. Because we won't be as effective if we're not spiritually healthy. One year at Christmas time, Carrie and I flew. We were living in Minnesota. We flew from Minnesota to Alabama for her youngest sister's wedding, and then we flew to Ohio to spend Christmas with my family, and then flew back to Minnesota. And on that trip, we had like five flights. And I had to sit through the flight safety demonstration five times. And they always tell you, should the cabin experience sudden pressure loss, stay calm, not possible, stay calm, <laughs> and listen for instructions from the cabin crew, oxygen masks will drop down from above your seat. And then they tell you that you, if you need to assist somebody with their oxygen mask, to make sure you put on your mask first. And the reason why they tell you that is because if the air pressure drops, hypoxia quickly sets in and your brain isn't getting enough oxygen. And so you need to put on your oxygen mask before you can effectively help someone else. Well, spiritually, you need the air that Jesus gives before you can help someone else breathe. You need the water that Jesus offers before you can offer someone else a drink. You need to feed yourself first with the food that Jesus prepares before you can help others be fed. And you need to follow Jesus well before you can serve others well. That's why Jesus commends Mary, because she's chosen the better portion. Martha misses out in this story. No, what she does isn't the worst thing in the world, but she's not enjoying Jesus as she should be. And that's the true shame. But it happens all the time. It's so simple, but we make it so complicated. But we also have opportunities every day to enjoy Jesus, to meet with Jesus, to be still and sit with Jesus. But how many days do we waste caught up in our own projects, distracted by many things, when where we should have started was at the feet of Jesus? Jesus isn't primarily concerned with perfect hospitality and a perfect meal when he visits Martha and Mary. Those are pressures that we so often heap up on ourselves. Sometimes we're people pleasers and we get stressed because we put too much stock into what others think of us or wanting to be liked or wanting to impress people. We can become obsessed with what others think of us 
with others think, thinking well of us, all the while running ourselves ragged. For some of us, we can be perfectionistic or like a sense of control, but then get frustrated when everything doesn't go perfectly. There is no virtue in exhaustion. And the danger is that when we treat the one thing that is necessary as if it's secondary, we get distracted from Jesus. Again, it's good to serve, but it's not good to serve and to spread yourself so thin that you're not taking care of yourself and focusing first on the one necessary thing. Sometimes we serve because of pridefulness. We feel like we have to do certain things because no one else will do them as good as we do. I like John Maxwell's approach. Maxwell's the great leadership writer. And he says that if you've mastered a skill, if someone else can do it 70% as well as you can, they can do it. I think it's important to examine our own hearts and motivations for why we do what we do. And this doesn't only apply to service. It applies to how we work, how we study, how we interact with people. It applies to the accomplishments we pursue, the goals that we have. Are we driven by winning our own glory? Are we driven by thinking that, that accomplishments will somehow make us feel whole? Do we need to feel that we measure up better than someone else? And again, I'm not saying that all of these things equally apply to all of us. And I keep saying that work and service are good things, but the reasons behind why we do what we do aren't always the most healthy. God is gracious and can still use that. He can still use things that aren't always done for the best motivation. But again, we can run ourselves ragged in the process. There can be so many areas of life where we exhaust ourselves. There can be people or groups we exhaust ourselves trying to impress. And none of them are as important as Jesus. Your parents aren't as important as Jesus. Your in-laws aren't as important as Jesus. Your spouse isn't as important as Jesus. Your neighbor, who always seems to have things more together than you do, is not as impressive as Jesus. Your coworkers aren't as important as Jesus. But it can be hard. It can be exhausting. Because the people with whom we interact aren't as gracious as Jesus. But what you need to remember is that what any of these people think about you is not the most important thing in your life. A need to make everything seem perfect in your life, in your family, is not the most important thing. A need to impress people or to live up to someone else's standards should not be the most important thing. But it can be the temptation. And again, for some, it's a greater struggle than others. For some, it might be worse in certain areas of our lives. It's focusing on many things. Our identity is to be rooted in Christ and in the one necessary thing. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus accepts us. He welcomes us. He invites us to know him. He invites us to sit at his feet. And our acceptance is not about our performance or how well we do. And praise the Lord for that, because Jesus is gracious. He gives us the right to be God's children. God sees us and sees the righteousness of Christ that Jesus has accomplished as if it were our own. 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus invites us into a relationship so we can know him, not so that we can impress him. Mary chose the good portion. She chose to sit with Jesus. Again, the point isn't that we should just sit. The point isn't that we should spend so much time in prayer or studying the Bible that we never do anything to serve others, but that we need to be starting with Jesus. In today's passage, Mary sits at the feet of Jesus, but later on, she will serve him. I referenced this passage earlier, but in John chapter 12, Mary anoints Jesus. John chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. When that event is referenced in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, Jesus says, In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for my burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Mary serves Jesus in a very significant way, but there needs to be balance. All Christians are called to serve, make no mistake. It's important to serve. If you're part of this church and have never found a way to serve, I'd encourage you that it's important and that there are many wonderful ministries to get involved in. We are all gifted and equipped differently for the purposes of serving and building up Christ's church. But we aren't called to be martyrs to service. There needs to be balance. Jesus serves. He also washes his disciples' feet. He feeds the sick. He gives sight to the blind. Jesus also has time for people and wasn't controlled by the whims of those around him. In John 11, when Jesus hears that Lazarus, the brother of Martha and Mary, is dying, the passage tells us that Jesus actually waited a couple more days before he even goes. Jesus also took time to go away to pray. He took naps. He ate meals with people. Jesus is never rushed. He's never stressed. Jesus served people. Jesus had time for people. He didn't get fed up when others needed help. He never complained from the kitchen that people weren't helping. He wasn't a people pleaser who was trapped in what others thought about him. He was the opposite of being a people pleaser. He was crucified. Our spiritual and emotional health matter. And so my question for you today is, are you Mary or are you Martha? This church has a lot of Marthas. And again, the ways in which people serve is appreciated. But you shouldn't serve at the, at the expense of losing focus on the one necessary thing. And so my question is, do you take time to care for yourself? It can be easy to feel like you don't have time. But the times when you feel like you don't have time to sit with Jesus, time to pray, time to be quiet for a few moments, the times where you feel like you're so busy that you don't have time are the times when you need to slow down the most. If you're getting overextended to the point where you can't keep your primary focus on the one necessary thing, 
then you need to slow down. And you might need to give something up. And that's okay. I'll close with a couple thoughts. Speaking for myself, I feel like I have to say no to things on a seemingly weekly basis, unfortunately. Good things. But none of us can be part of everything and do it well. I want to acknowledge our staff for a moment. This church is blessed to have great staff. Sometimes they have to say no to things. And they're in a tough position. I think it can probably be harder for them to say no to certain things than it is for me. Because they're good at things and I'm good at like one thing. It can be tough, though, for them to say no because they want to serve. But the thing that matters most to me for them is the thing that matters most for all of you. It's not that they do everything. It's not that they say yes to everything. It's that they start with the one necessary thing. I'll close with this. One thing I try to be aware of that's important in a church culture, and this is true for all of us, is to not burn people out. I'm still getting to know people here. But I'm worried that we have too many people who are on the brink. I originally had not even planned to include this message as part of this series, but it seemed more and more necessary. If you're a Martha and you're looking around and stressed out that people aren't doing enough to help, it might be because you're doing too much. Put on your oxygen mask first. Sometimes we need to say no to things. Sometimes we need to step away from things. And when that happens, one of two things will happen. And both of them are okay. Either if one person can't do something, someone else will. Or maybe we don't have that thing. And guess what? God is still on the throne. The kingdom of God has not been thwarted. The sun will still rise tomorrow. Jesus will still come back. If you don't have a way that you're serving, I want to encourage you to find a ministry to be part of. For people who serve faithfully, truly, it's appreciated. But we should never, what we should never want is for anyone at this church to get distracted from the one necessary thing. At a meal with Jesus, Martha gets distracted, Mary sits with Jesus. I want to turn our attention to another meal with Jesus. At the Last Supper, Jesus sat with his disciples. They were at the same table when Jesus instituted communion. And in communion, Jesus invites us to his table as well. No matter what last week was like, no matter what's coming up this week, it's an invitation to turn our attention to Christ and to his gospel. It's an invitation to be present. It's an opportunity to focus on the one necessary thing. At this church, we practice open communion, which means that it is open to all people who believe in Jesus and trust in him as Lord and Savior. And if you forgot to grab one of these communion cups walking in, you can just put your hand up. No, no one's looking. Don't be embarrassed. I almost forgot myself, but we'll get you a communion cup. For parents who might have a student in this room, uh, especially if it's a younger kid, we, we trust the parents along with your kid to make that decision of if, if it's ready. If, if you believe that they have genuinely professed and believed in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Quoting from the words of institution, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, 
this is my body which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we do proclaim the Lord's death. Lord, may we rejoice that we have a Savior who not only died but rose from the dead. Lord, that He is a worthy Savior. He is a gracious Savior. Lord, He saves us from our sin. He saves us in eternity, Lord, but He's also a Savior today who invites us into a relationship, who invites us to sit at His feet. Lord, may that be our focus every day of our lives, to start the day, to focus our day and lives around Jesus and His Word and His teachings. And in His name we pray, amen. When He had given thanks, He broke the bread and said, this is my body which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we rejoice of a living Savior. For everyone in this room, Lord, may we trust in the gospel and know that there is forgiveness in Jesus. May we rejoice in that. In his name we pray, amen.